Hello and welcome to the Evity Lab podcast. My name is Sam and I'm here with my good friend AJ. Hey there. Together we review movies, TV shows, and streaming content. On today's episode, we have a wonderful guest, Mr. Andy Meadow, who I have the pleasure of working with at work. Andy, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Hi, I'm Andy. I work at work with Sam. And we work together in this movie review. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. What is it you want, Barry? You, you want the moon? I want the truth! I see dead people. You shall not pass! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. This is Sparta! I am your father. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us all unite! After landing the gig of a lifetime, a New York jazz pianist suddenly finds himself trapped in a strange land between Earth and the afterlife. I will talk at a normal, a normal volume. Here we go. That One, two, so check, good, check. AJ. Thank you. Let me pose a question to both of you. Do you believe in souls? <laughs> That's not even like a, per- a pertinent question to this yeah. movie. Because <laughs> no. uh. <laughs> I certainly do after watching this movie, Soul. <laughs> I get it. That's a bad sequitur, I just want to say. Well... We can't all be as soulful as this movie. Wait, we're doing it about the movie Soul? I thought we were doing it about the movie Soul Man. Or Rawhide? Rawhide. The 1950s television show. (laughs) Yeah. AJ, let's let's go ahead and have you start off this podcast about the movie Soul because you just got done taking some notes on it, it sounds like. I did. Where to begin? I think this is a really thoughtful and superb Pixar film that deserves being in the pantheon of one of the top five Pixar movies or or animated films of the nature. Ooh, dang. Spitting game already about it. Ooh. Yep. Yep. I feel like Andy's going to have a quite deferring opinion on this. Well, now I'm writing out five Pixar movies that I like better. <laughs> well, the, there's definitely, I, I definitely wouldn't put in, you know, number one or two, but uh, as far as overall quality, I would put it in the top five. Well, here's here's the problem, though, is I had no interest in 22. Mm-hmm. What, Tina Fey character? Yep. I, I could I did not care about any of that. Um, I was really focused on his uh, his music, his musical career. And so he died and I was disappointed. And when he finally comes back to Earth, uh, he's the cat. And I can assure you. I was just as disappointed as he was that he became the cat because I was really <laughs> hoping that we would just get right back into playing some jazz. I did it. I did it. I'm back. <laughs> what the? I'm in the cat? You're in my body. Wait, you're wait, wait, in the that's cat? That's my body. I'm in a body? Why are you no. in my body? I don't want to be a cat. I hate cats. I, I share your sentiment in that because I went into it and I saw the cover and I knew it was roughly about jazz or that was a concept in the movie and i thought oh this is going to be really dive deep into the jazz culture and i didn't see the twist coming where he dies and it goes on a 
adventure of exploring what does it mean to find your passion or spark or your, you know, your passion in life. So I, yeah, I don't know. I could definitely see the movie taking a turn had it gone more of just exploring the jazz route. And I could have really dug that because <laughs> I was in jazz for like seven years. Yeah. No, the, and the jazz stuff they do have, you know, the tracks that they play um, are really cool and it's very, I, I love the vibe. Well, and, and the concept of getting into your, like into your zone or whatever he mm-hmm. called it. Yep. Uh, that was great. Cause I'm like, yeah, I've, I've totally felt that doing stuff before, you know? Um, and then that was just kind of a way to get that hippie sign flipper guy into the movie that was such a good supporting role <laughs> moonwind moonwind is the mvp of this film i'm gonna be real i wish we got a little more of him to be honest oh man that sign i could watch him flip that sign all day <laughs> it's just this this hippie flips a sign and he's just in the spirit world <laughs> moonwind how are you on the brink of madness thanks for asking hey got a request for you uh yeah i'm trying to get back to my body can you help me that's what we do we are the mystics without borders, devoted to helping the lost souls of Earth find their way. I'm Moonwind Star Dancer at your service. They do things like that, although, you know, the center point of the movie doesn't focus on jazz as the main story. It's kind of a, a good flip to the story element where we're not expecting it because it explores the bigger ideas, which most Pixar movies do about life or big themes that it tackles and makes a emotional impact. Although Andy, I think your initial viewing of this, you just said it didn't make you super ball your eyes out. No Pixar films have dude. Let me tell you. But then I think about like, like onward made me cry onward. The end of onward was just like, ugh, gut wrenching stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys even saw onward, but anyways, I have not. Oh God. Well, if you want to cry, it's a good one. Um, Pixar is good at that. Well, on my second viewing, I found the spot where I should have cried the first time. Which was Uh, where? uh, When he, um, at the end, is thinking of the montage of his entire life. Uh, But for some reason, the weird, the scene that hit me the most was him enjoying the pecan pie by himself in the diner. I'm like, (laughs) oh yeah, I felt that. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, I mean, it comes across as one of those, it's okay to be by yourself and enjoy the little things. And it doesn't need to be share a shared experience. You can just share an experience with your own soul. Oh, see? Oh man. Yeah, I know. Okay. But real quick though, he realizes he needs to enjoy life. And I'm like, wow, what a great conclusion. That's awesome. And then he has to go and save 22 from being super sad monster soul. I don't under, it was, they go back to that. And I had no interest in that. I'm like, stop. The movie could have ended. You're like, let 22 suffer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 22 is an interesting character because we don't really follow up with her at all. And I think she's more of a support character in that she's there to, uh, assist Joe in his journey. And I think like you guys, Joe is equally horrified that the movie does not focus on his jazz career. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, good point. Good and, point. And, but I think that is why I think this movie is so good is because uh, it is explicitly countercultural in its, in, in what is the standard line in American culture and that we tell kids in general, because when kids are growing up, you say, all right, you got to find your passion. You got to just do it. You got to do what you you love and that's it. And this cuts explicitly in the other direction. Uh, and I think it can best be found in a line from Moonwind where he's, you know, they're in the, uh, they're talking about, they're talking about the zone uh, and doing something 
they really love. And he says, You know, lost souls are not that different from those in the zone. What? The zone is enjoyable, but when that joy becomes an obsession, one becomes disconnected from life. This movie is all about the mindfulness of actually living your life and enjoying simple experiences and sensations and and recognizing that your spark and your passion is not your sole purpose in life. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a weird concept to think about because yeah, and when we're in high school and college, we're trying to like figure out what we're going to do for a career and that's supposed to be the thing that you love to do. I've definitely I've had some other person when I was graduating from the radio TV film program at Oshkosh talk about um you know, when you get into the industry and you're really hyped to work with everybody and make films and all this other stuff, he said, make sure you have side projects or passions because you can't just do this night and day. You have to have other outlets to kind of decompress and maintain that level of joy in your life. Because just as you keep doing the one thing, if that's all you do, you're going to drive yourself insane and ultimately lose interest in it, probably. Well, I really thought Joe Gardner was going to realize that he was born to teach. He was born to inspire others. And he may not become a successful jazz musician, but at the end of the day, he fostered the careers of uh, that drummer, <laughs> whatever the drummer's name, you know, and then that little, that girl comes to visit him towards the end of the movie and says she quits. And uh, I'm like, he's going to realize his spark is inspiring others. And this is going to be great. And then I was wrong um, as, as usual. They tricked um, you. They did. No, but I think, I think you're right there that, you know, when he's reviewing his, his, his most passionate and favorite moments in life, one of them is teaching at the end. And I think that's, part of his you know passionate repertoire yeah yeah they right. take a less direct approach and just being like oh yeah your spark was teaching no it's a culmination of all these things right you're not born to do any one thing the whole thing with 22 at the end i think that's more about him because he's realizing you know at the culmination of his journey how much of an asshole he was and how grateful he is to have seen her enjoy you know the taste of pizza and watching helicopter seeds fall from the sky Mm -hmm. and that is when he gets his new lease on life is when he he apologizes to her and and basically gives up on life and accepts his fate and it's only you know after that then he gets another chance by the jerry whatever the heck that is jerry gary (laughs) terry I don't know. Were they all named the same thing? Am I crazy? They were na- They were all named Jerry, right? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Oh, thank yep. God, because that yeah. was... <laughs> yeah, it's just they, they said that they're, the concept of them is too much for the human brain, so they call themselves <laughs> right. Jerry. That's all they got. One name <laughs> yeah. for everybody. Yep, it's I to think... simplify it. Jerry will take it from here. Thanks, Jerry. Head right on over there to Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Is everyone here named Jerry? Good luck. Terry, we've got a problem. Oh, hello there, Terry. The count's off. (laughs) One thing Pixar does so well in all their films, too. Well, two things. Uh, The one is the visuals. So I like what they did where they made Joe's world or Earth really photorealistic. And then the people are a little more cartoonized. And then when we get to the magical blue world, you know, it's more of like a you know whatever an inside out type of look and it -hmm. separates it visually so you can tell story-wise what's going on but also just stylistically i liked how they did subtle animations with those jerry terry characters in terms of like how they move for example 
Terry, how he gets between different elements. He goes through different like lines or patterns across bricks. Or he, as he's looking through the file cabinets, he's like uh, hilariously going underneath and up and around with his hands to get files. It was really cute and funny. I thought the way they did all that. He did a he did a thing when they gave him a trophy that he had asked for. And his like body made his own pedestal to step up on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was, I was like, oh, well done animators. That's, you know, really good visuals. Yeah. And just even the awkward way when 22 gets into Joe's body for the first time and how they have to animate him basically as a baby and not knowing how to walk. It's an interesting thing. I've watched videos where animation is a tricky thing because they try to base it off of muscular and bone structures and how they would like certain things would move. But at certain points too, they're just basically guessing and trying out different methods of how something should be animated or look. So it's a really fine line of trying to get that uh, method of like comedic approach with uh, like a realistic approach to some way certain things move. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good blend of that photorealism you were talking about and that weird Pixar-y way of animating things in in kind of more fantasy-esque realms. I, I think the visual aspects of this film are like basically masterpiece quality. Uh, yeah, it's like gorgeous, man. The lighting in each of these. Yeah, the lighting. I mean, in the first shot where he's playing piano in his class, uh, the light just looks awesome. Like there's there, even the wrinkles on their clothes look like they're actually clothes. And I'm not really sure how you do that in an animation. I don't know how complicated it is, but it, a lot of render power. <laughs> yeah. It just looks really good. And it's, it looks very realistic all the time, even though it's, um, you know, in, in an animated world. I had something else I wanted to talk about. It's still soul, but the fact that I think Pixar wasted a whole bunch of money hiring actual celebrity actors to voice these people, because I, <laughs> I honestly, I didn't know. I didn't even know it was Jamie Foxx the first time none of it mattered none of it mattered tina fey was 22 i had to google that because i couldn't place the voice um and now looking back and trying to like see the cast the drummer was voiced by Questlove. completely not necessary i think to a degree it helps because certain actors voices are very whether you know it's the actor or not they have a distinct tone or quality to them versus like if you were just to hire a some joe blow off the street that was decent at voice acting it might not have been as good and i think maybe also partially they hired certain people was because they had experience in the jazz culture maybe like quest love i'll tell you whose voice i really loved was uh richard iota yeah i love that guy who played one of the Jerry's <laughs> every time I heard him talk and he just at the oh, end, like yeah. Andy was saying, or he's like giving the trophy to Terry. He's just like, all right, here we go. Yep. And for correcting our absent-minded mistakes and setting the count right, we are awarding you, Terry, this trophy as you requested. He's a really funny actor. I don't know if you guys have seen any other stuff. He was in um the IT crowd. The IT crowd yeah. The, uh, yeah yep. He's, he's, he's got impeccable comedic timing. <laughs> Well, I do see your point, Andy, and they could have saved some budget and put it other spots, maybe. I honestly don't even know where they would have put the budget, though, because it looks so good. Yeah, I guess who am I to say what Pixar should do with their money? Well, yeah, and I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think these these big stars are an integral part to how flawless the movie seems. You know, we we might think that it's a, a waste. Be like, why did you get Jamie Foxx for this when you could have hired someone for half the cost? I think. You know, without us noticing any flaws, it's I think it's clearly sure. a good use of resources. And uh, it really 
they're all part of that little mosaic they put together. And I'm just looking out for the, uh, for the for voice the actors, for the voice actors that you know don't get any love anymore. <laughs> the small, the small business voice yeah, actors, <laughs> small time business. Yeah. Andy is the Terry of our podcast review. Oh yeah, we're using too much of our budget on Jamie Fox and Angela Bassett. Unnecessary. <laughs> Didn't need to be Angela Bassett. You know who they also had? I don't know if you guys know who Davy Diggs is. He played uh, Thomas Jefferson in the original Hamilton cast, and he was uh, he was the sassy oh, yeah. guy. Yeah, he was yeah. the sassy guy in the barber shop who was like, "Yo, Joe's gonna. He ain't gonna do shit." <laughs> Can we talk about that barber scene for a sec? Because I thought that combined with the other scenes where Joe's talking to his mom and um, whatever other one I'm forgetting about, I thought that was such a good breakdown of Joe's character. He is, since he's in the cat's body, he's realizing through 22, oh my God, like these are the things that I, I was so focused on jazz. I never really lived life and started to like, you know, get to know things for real. Yeah, no, that's a perfect encapsulation of that theme I was talking about earlier, where he's realizing his singular obsession with jazz, which is an admirable thing, uh, just completely clouds out other basic enjoyments, like talking to this really cool barber. I think that's well-rounded when we talked about how 22, maybe we're not supposed to fully connect to her as much as we have other Pixar characters, like in Finding Nemo or Inside Out or Up, where it's just meant to be you know, the catalyst or driving device that brings us back to Joe and try to put us in the, f- the shoes of Joe where we're not really, um, you know, it's less of an emotional tie, more of just a plot device. That's how I view her. She's the catalyst to, to helping Joe realize what his life is and what he, he should be doing. She was Joe's sense of wonder that he didn't realize he was missing. Yes, that's a good descriptor. Have you guys ever had an experience like this movie where you get so obsessed with something where you uh, maybe don't like it doesn't cloud your life judgment or things like that, but or you're just trying to figure out what your spark is even in life at certain points? And then you realize you don't have one and you're just ah, <laughs> mediocre at everything. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone gets into these kind of patterns of obsessive thinking and thoughts, whether it be in their job or something they're really into. Like uh, I thought a really good example was the hedge fund manager in this where, you know, the hippie Moonwind was out rescuing lost souls and the lost soul was wandering around saying, um, make a trade, make a trade. And then the guy like gets back into his body and he realizes what the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it's really easy for anyone, like whether it's, uh, you know, a drive for, you know, making money and it's like, I got to just do this one thing. I got to just pick up more, more work, got to make more hours. Um, or if it's, you know, even a purely, uh, hobbyist thing where, you know, whether it be video games or, you know, smoking dope. I mean, there's, there's lots of <laughs> options. <laughs> and that, and now we have Moonwind. Hello, Moonwind. Yeah. <laughs> That's Moonwind all over. I feel like I've done a pretty good job of that in my life so far where, I've realized I get stuck into certain moments of whether most of the time, I guess for me, it'd be like a creative project. I get so focused on wanting to accomplish that, that I forget about it. Like, oh yeah, I got to make sure I go and hang out with Natalie today and do other stuff or, you know, figure out other things. But I've kind of reassessed that and be like, okay, I need to pull back now and I'll get that done later this week. And then I can go to my parents or whatever and hang out with them and just chit chat for a while. Yeah, I think that's, 
that's really good to to realize that because I I know a lot of people and I mean I've known times of myself that where you just you you don't realize that you're in that kind of obsessive rut. And Andy hasn't had it happen at all because he's perfect. No, 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 that's not true. No, it, you know when you mentioned we video get games, it, Andy, you're a god, you're almighty, powerful being, you're fine, I, you're perfect. They call me they call me Jerry actually. <laughs> Now I, I will say though, okay, I my my brother is a psychology teacher. He loves to talk about how Inside Out is like based on real psychology. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they did a bunch of research. Obviously, they're they take their time with these things, and the script was crafted with you know uh, professional you know experts on the subject. So I watched this movie, the ent- you know, and I kept thinking to myself, I wonder if this is like accurate. I wonder if the great before is a thing. And then I realized that that's all completely nonsense. Um, <laughs> but I was, I, I found myself wondering how, how accurate to real science it was when in reality, I'm sure that this was all just made up. Like, I don't think there's a real, is there a religion that talks about the great before or the great after? I think this is all very original metaphysical metaphors of, you know, the great before and the great after. I mean, it's it's all kind of quasi. I'm sure a lot of religions have quasi themes in this. I mean, the great before almost sounds like like Hinduism or something where you're re- reincarnating. Yeah, a little bit. But I, yeah, I don't think it's strictly researched on a <laughs> on a religion. When he first dies, falls in the hole, doesn't die, I guess, whatever, and he's on the uh, conveyor belt, I guess. The woman, there was a woman behind him who said, like, this is different than my dream of the... The walrus. Was it the wall? Okay. Is that a thing? I don't know what the hell that was. (laughs) I don't know if that was like a a Beatles joke. I don't know. I I have no idea what that was. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that seems like very insider humor. Like Pixar does a good job of making kids movies that also have like a lot of one-liners that only an adult would get. And this is a one-liner that most adults don't get, I imagine, (laughs) but that some (laughs) do and they're they're like, oh, hell yeah, way to go. (laughs) As I'm scrolling through the movie here, one thing that doesn't really make sense to me is, okay, you die and then you're on this conveyor belt to go into the great beyond. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you also have the option to go to the, is it the great before? That's where Joe is, where he becomes a mentor. Mm-hmm. What is the benefit of doing that? Because after you mentor the person, then you just go back to the great beyond. Like if you just feel like mentoring someone, you want to go to there and then do that. What I gathered is that the great before people, Jerry, uh, they pick out the best of humanity, you know, like Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, all that stuff to become mentors because of their experiences on earth that are so great to coach other souls that are going to go to earth. So I don't think it's an actual choice they make. I'm sure maybe they have some volition, but I think it's mostly just picking them out of the crowd and then they can chill a little longer and then they they head off afterwards. So they don't really get anything out of it other than feeling good, maybe. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't view it as a purely. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the word. I don't. I mean, Joe got a second chance, so maybe the other people got to live a little bit longer too. <laughs> I don't know. This is a very experimental thought. You know that great flash and the great beyond. I don't think that is. You should think of that even intrinsically as a negative of just you know voiding into the universe. I think it is a very neutral and perhaps even positive aspect that no one is really trying to avoid in that space. Um, and everyone there knows it is their time. And so I think the great before is simply some good souls trying to influence future souls while they still have time. And they probably view it as a, a privilege, uh, I'm guessing. Very positive, AJ. Yeah, it was really nice. Thanks. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm just over here like, mm, that must suck. What do you get out of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you get out of that, asshole? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did read, though, that uh, originally there were like two camps in Pixar. One that wanted Joe to get a second chance and one that wanted Joe to not get a second chance at the end. And that they were like well into the movie before they made a decision on how it was going to end. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, they, you know, then they decided that you can't have your character realize that, you know, learn how to live life and then, <laughs> and then not die. give them a chance to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, that would be kind of a, a sad kids movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he did get to go back and okay. And then at the beginning, he said, if I got to play with Dorothea Williams, I could die a happy man. Yeah. And I then he gets to play with time. her. And uh-huh. then he's like, oh, that was not the end of my life right there that is not the biggest thing in the world i I think they made the right call ultimately because i liked yeah i think it makes more sense him going down getting a second chance after he makes the realization and i love how it just open ends with him going out the door smiling yeah no that's i think that that's that new lease on life and uh it's not he isn't getting back and thinking, all right, now I'm going to kick ass at jazz and finally do my dream he's thinking eat more pecan pie yeah i'm going (laughs) to going to that diner also, that reminds me, uh, that scene with Dorothy, I think, is probably one of the better in the movie where they, he comes out of the club after playing with her and they, they have this killer show and he does great. And then he, he looks to her and says, So, uh, what happens next? We come back tomorrow night and do it all again. What's wrong, Teach? It's just I've been waiting on this day for my entire life. It's, I thought I'd feel different. I've, I've been dreaming about this my whole life, and I thought it'd feel different. And then she turns to him and says, I heard this story about a fish. He swims up to this older fish and says, I'm trying to find this thing they call the ocean. The ocean, says the older fish. That's what you're in right now. This, says the young fish, this is water. What I want is the ocean. I thought that was such a baller mic drop <laughs> of of a moment that like see you tomorrow teach. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was it was great. Well, um all right, well you guys have any other overall notes you want to touch on before we wrap up here? Well, the one other thing uh the whole I I love the foreshadowing at the beginning uh when he's talking to his students and he's talking about going to the jazz club with his with his dad and he says that's when I knew I was born to play. And then for, you know, the first time watching it, I'm like, okay. And then the second time I was like, aha. So I think they did a really good job overall, even though it didn't make me cry. Well, is, is, is the crying what you judge a, a good movie by? I'm just curious. Like, no, no, 
Uh, just a good Pixar movie, apparently. Yeah, no, but okay. Uh, Coco cried like a baby. Sure. Inside Out cried like a baby for no reason. Uh, Onward, you guys gotta watch because, dude, Onward good hits stuff. hits hard at the end. Really, really good. Um, and so I just come to expect that just from Pixar. So I think they've put themselves on a level so high that like this movie, if this movie came out of any other animation studio, I'd just be, I mean, gushing over it, you know? Mm. Um, and I, and I guess I still am. It was good. It was great. Uh, you know, free on Disney plus you can't beat it. I just think it's a surprisingly thoughtful movie, even for Pixar. It's Different in the way that only Pixar can manage to do. Um, it's really imaginative and exploring deep concepts, but it also packages that in you know a, a family-friendly way that that kids can enjoy. And I think that's a challenge, and especially when it cuts against the mold so hard of um, trying to recreate the narrative around dreams and and purpose. Um, and it, it, I think it excels, and I think it has earned a place as, among some of the better. Pixar films, in my view, and there are a lot of great ones. There, it's it's hard to pick. You guys said it both very well, summed up. I think it's riding that edge of. Well, you know what? I'm just gonna leave it at that. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to take a crack at uh, guessing what the budget was for this movie? Oh, I would love to. Yeah. Uh, Andy, how about you go first? I don't know what the what it costs to make animated movies at all, but. Uh, you know, with their bl- bloated uh, actors' budget, <laughs> it's like eighty percent of the budget. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. say 140 million. This style of animation is definitely the most expensive way to do it. And yeah, when well, you throw on Jamie Fox and and Tina Fey, yeah, it adds a couple mil right there. Uh, I'm gonna guess 85 million. Andy wins as the budget oh. was 150 million. Ooh. It says the box office was only 47.3, but I'm sure that was affected by coronavirus, which is why it was released on Disney+. Plus. I was going to say, it was released in theaters at all? I had no idea. I don't, I don't think it was. I think it was direct to digital on Christmas Day. Oh, um, oh I think you might yeah. be right. Yep. So, so how, are they, how are they basing that on anything? Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. How would, they, how would you even have... Know. I'm looking at Wikipedia, so not the most accurate resource. <laughs> yeah, they made 50 million maybe they're <laughs> counting new disney plus subscriptions because <laughs> could be yeah I, it's interesting because i think the the model during the pandemic is really overturned especially with uh you know that hbo decision to put big movies this year like um mm-hmm. dune on direct uh hbo because i guess then you only measure the success of a film by how well it does on like you know in netflix like oh like x amount of people watched it I'm sure that translates into money somehow. I just don't know what. Yeah, it's going to be a weird future moving forward with how media is put out there and how they measure success for sure. Yeah. I still think people really, I don't think the theater will die. I've, I've read and heard people talk about like, oh man, like I know, I know some small theaters are going to go down and suffer, but I think the theater viewing experience is unparalleled for a lot of films and well, out of 10 Earth Badges, what would you guys give this movie and would you recommend others to watch it? Yeah, I give this a uh, 8.5 out of 10 Earth Badges. And of course I'd recommend it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Watch it, then watch Onward, talking to you two. And then, you know, The Mandalorian and all the other stuff. But yeah, it's right there for you. It's easy enough to watch. So, of course, watch it.
Yeah, I'd give her a solid nine Earth badges. I think it is again in, in the top five of Pixar movies. I think I think I'd have to like sit down and, and formulate an exact list of Pixar movies to to make that effectuated, but I think it is it's such a unique film and I think it's definitely worth the watch. I would say yeah, nine out of ten earth badges and ditto. All right. I, I hate to I hate to open up a conversation real quick, but do you think it's better for for adults than for children? That's interesting. I mean, the message is purely for adults, isn't it? You know what? That's a good, that's an interesting take. I think it's a conversation starter that adults can then address with their kids. It might <laughs> well, need I, some explanation. <laughs> well, I certainly didn't. I should have done that. <laughs> I think this is clearly a universally appealing movie. If you're an adult who's grown up, you know, and your career track isn't what you wanted or you know, you haven't achieved, quote unquote, your dream. I think this is a really good kick in the butt of like, damn, that's right. And like you're you're finding that out, presumably watching it with your kid, um, which is also a really great simultaneous moment for both of them on, on a very different level of, of one just starting their life and another in, in the thick of it or, you know, having experienced a lot of downturns. What do you think, Annie? I, you know, I mean, I think the parts that I didn't like about the movie are the parts that kids do like about the movie. The, you know, him ending up in the cat's body. I was like, no, let's go. <laughs> let's just go back to, oh, God, this is what the movie's going to be now. Great. He's a cat. Okay. You know, <laughs> he's a cat. <laughs> he's a cat now, I guess. Ah, jeez. Uh, I think the kids kids think that part's great. And I was just like, let's play some piano. Oh, man. <laughs> um and so, you know, I think I think clearly they were working both audiences on this one. Yeah, as they often do in each of them. But yeah, I, I would say it's 60-40 in terms of like, I feel like adults would almost benefit more from this, mm-hmm. from the message anyway. Entertainment yeah. value, I think it'd be 50-50. Uh, but it's more of a starting point that adults can address with their kids to have them be happy little people as they grow up. Yeah, and I think it's it's a more of a subtle influence on a kid because, you know, when they see movies, this is how they they're get they get acculturated. And so it's not like they're going to go out the next day and be like, "I can fucking do anything." But it's like it's just a good <laughs> it's a good thing in the background that they're going to It's so internalize. ironic, AJ, cuz that's what Natalie said after she got done watching the movie. Did she? Running around the playground yelling, "I can fucking I can do, do anything." Fucking do anything. Fuck yeah. That's that's what Pixar wants us to do. <laughs> Well, you guys, it has been a pleasure reviewing this movie with you. Andy, do you have anything you want to call out for the people to check out? Onward. Watch Onward. (laughs) Cry like a baby. You heard it here, folks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Andy. As always, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Video Lab podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, be sure to email us at thevideolabpodcast at gmail.com. And stay tuned for the next episode, where we'll be reviewing One Night in Miami. You can find my review for this movie and other movies at my blog, asajthinks.com. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. Until next time, see ya. Peace. Peace.